but her name is Chris, who, <laughs> who texted me at some point and said, uh, Deb, my topic might be a two-parter. And I'm like, okay, I'm okay. I'm, I, I think I'm okay with that. And then a few days later, my unnamed friend texted me again saying, uh, three-parter? Look, and, when I'm into oh, something, I'm into something. Isn't yeah. that amazing? Why do you have to drag me in with you? You're going to love it, I hope. <laughs> and okay. it's not the one I keep putting down, but I had plans okay. of doing this one. And actually, it, funny enough, I'm not going to say what it is. It is based on a museum that I went to, which was a fabulous museum, which right. I'll tell about at some point. But um, I worked out really realizing, although I understood it in there, like the gist, yeah. I didn't understand it when I went back to think about it. And it was a fabulous museum. So now okay. I'm going to take all those pictures that I took and what I remember from it and put into context. Now, now I'm going to, like some of those places I feel like you need to kind of have an understanding before. Yes. That's what we've said so many times now that we've done all this learning. Yeah. <laughs> now it would make sense for me to go to a museum. Right. <laughs> on, you know, like. Believe it or not, I think that is the yeah. way to go. It, although, yeah. I mean, if you're in a new city or whatever, I do say. If you're somebody who makes out your plans, if when you go on vacation, like we're going to go here and here that day, you really, the uh, information is out there. You should go and learn a little bit about it because when you go in that museum, you can't read every plaque and everything. Yeah. But it, I don't know. It makes so much more sense. It may. And actually it was a perfect example was when you did the episode on Woodstock mm-hmm. and then you went there and just were so much more informed and you could look at things so differently. But even you sending a picture to me, okay, you sent me a picture of a field. That's an airplane. <laughs> an airplane? Yeah, what did an you... airplane. It was a field. No, oh, no, oh, I, I, oh, you okay. can't hear it? <laughs> oh, you can't, can't hear it. it. Oh, okay. There's okay. a giant airplane going over my roof right now. Okay. okay. Sorry, go ahead. But getting back to the field, um, no. you sent me a picture of a field. And now I think most friends would be like, why the hell is my friend sending me a picture of a field? But I was like, oh my God, it's the field where this and this happened and all the rain was and the electricity and the this and the that. How many people could have died that day and didn't? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yep, I know. Yeah, it was the most exciting effing field I've ever seen. I know. Wait till Christmas when you get a nice (laughs) big picture in a frame about it. (laughs) Okay, let's not go too crazy. All right, so my point is that I want to dig in without you know, saying too much of an intro because I know that you need your time and your space just like anything does, Chris, to grow and blossom. That's right. I'm and I growing am and friend. blossoming in front of your eyes. <laughs> and it's a beautiful sight. <laughs> All right. So I just want to say to our listeners, if you haven't had a chance, we would absolutely love it if you checked out the episodes that we have recorded. We've done two amazing collaborations recently. One was with Two Men, No Hope. We would love you to go back and check that out. We had such a ton of fun with Dan and Jamie. And it's and, on, and, hold yeah, on, sorry. Mention, we don't, it's not, we were on their podcast. So That's you right. Go, you have to go to Two Men, No Hope. Yes, please do. You can find them wherever you listen to your podcast. You can find them on Twitter. We would highly recommend that you follow them on Instagram. They are super, super fun. And obviously don't just listen to our episode. All of their episodes are fantastic. And I have the exact thing, uh, same thing to say for All Hallows Eve. We put it, wait a second. We put out we, an episode last week, right? They Yeah, check them out. Again, they are also, you can find them anywhere you listen to your podcast. Follow them on Instagram, Twitter, All Hallows Eve. Kathy and Jason are so much fun. We had such a great time recording. Recording. Go back. 
and listen to the episode that we released last week where we had them on doing our thing. They do superstitions, uh, true crime, all that sort of stuff. Them on ours doing laughing and learning. So and we did was, laugh and learn. We sure did. We really did. It was so, <laughs> so did. much fun. These collaborations are great. So yeah, please check them out. I'm not going to chat any longer because my friend, who I won't name, Chris, uh, <laughs> has an episode ready. Oh my God. She's showing me, everybody, Chris is showing me her stack of papers. If I talk fast, it's because I realize that it's probably my thickest um, episode. And like Woodstock was long. There were some really long ones, but this one I feel like, and I, again, once again, as always, I could have put a lot more, (gasps) but I didn't. We thank you. Do you? Because you would learn more. No, it's my, you know, I think that there's um, a statute of limitations on how much this (laughs) noggin can, well, Well, I'm not going to say retain. The more I throw at you. At least you'll get little nuggets here and there. True. (laughs) Throw away. Throw (laughs) away. All right. So now I have a lot, suddenly I've turned what would be, you know, like people would say Italians talk with their hands. I've noticed lately when I'm talking to you online, I'm doing a lot of hand motions. (laughs) I feel like you want to beat me. No, I just want to make sure you understand. And I do find myself whacking um, boom arms and everything (laughs) else. So sorry for the um added acoustics acoustics yeah. yes as long as you're not whacking deb everybody's okay with it i well, think well that's why we're the four hours apart <laughs> that's right by the way you look adorable oh but, do i oh that's yes. my i haven't showered in a couple of days look thank you really but it also could be that hey it's like one in the afternoon look yeah i don't i'm we nervous never about recording record in the one. sunshine <laughs> I, I know it's like we're like the vampire recorders i know so, god i hope this turns out well i think it will All right. so I think when I say prohibition, everyone <gasps> thinks <laughs> alcohol. Oh, yes, yeah. or lack thereof. Oh, no, no, no. When you think of prohibition, everyone thinks of just that dry period of American history in the 20s. Yep. And you're not wrong. But I was wondering, why did we ever decide to have a, uh, to, have, blah, 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 to prohibit the sale mm-hmm. of alcohol? Seriously. You, I mean, I yeah. mean, I had theories, but what did it? It probably didn't come out of the blue. So the Prohibition era began in 1920, January 17th to be exact. I want to drink and it's one in the afternoon. Why? Why do you do this to me? I don't know. I think how long you'll be here. (laughs) Okay. But but you know what? You could probably slither off and come back with one and nobody would know. (laughs) Slither off. Oh my God. If I slithered, I wouldn't have arms to bring a drink back with me. Do you understand the complications? You have teeth. <laughs> You're picturing it, aren't you? <laughs> I totally am. Okay, sorry, I interrupted you on your first sentence. Say it again, please. I, I did that to you rude. last week too, over or a couple of weeks ago, over a breakfast cereal, I believe. <laughs> oh yeah, how <laughs> oh, the roof of my mouth. <laughs> All right, let me start again. The Prohibition era began in 1920, January 17th, to be exact, mm-hmm. uh, and that is when the 18th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution went into effect, and this meant that the manufacture transportation and sale of intoxicating liquors was now illegal Hmm. and now this lasted until 1933 and december 5th if you want to celebrate uh (laughs) when congress proposed that with the 21st amendment and that would repeal the 18th amendment thus ending prohibition sorry wait a second um uh 1922 1933 wow 13 years 13 years 13 dry years 
quote oh unquote, my. because we are all aware. Oh, that- yes. <laughs> yes. But in theory. In theory, it was a dry country. Yes. Wow. Okay. <clears throat> so the idea is, so the Prohibition era has long been known as, well, a noble experiment. Mm-hmm. A mere undertaking in an effect to reduce crime and corruption and to solve social issues, reduce the tax burden caused by prisons and poor houses, and to improve the health of hygiene of America. Unfortunately, although noble, it was considered an utter failure. So I was wondering, why would the U.S. decide to ban alcohol? I mean, as I said, it didn't come out of the blue, so what led up to it? Yeah. I also wanted to know what happened in those 13 years. You know, from the people, to the bootleggers, to the gangsters, to the speakeasies. And wasn't it the Roaring Twenties? So it was a Roaring Twenties, but no alcohol? You know, oh, little confused. (laughs) <laughs> well, you know, you know, you can get quite the buzz off of orange juice, I find. <laughs> we let, let it sit out long enough and it ferments. Sure. <laughs> so I know for sure that this will be a two-parter. I really, at this point, think it's going to be a three-parter. And I'm sorry, oh. but after my timeline here, it's going to be all just fun stories. I thought we said to fuck the timeline. Well, I know, but this explains, you know, it's not a solid timeline, mm. but it wasn't a confusing one either. But after this, in the next episode or two, it will be like the stories of bootleggers and gangsters and stuff so okay be fine. that's fine okay i just if i don't hear the word moonshine i will not i promise there'll be moon, moonshine in the next episode okay thank you okay so let's buckle up and see what led up to the 18th amendment mm-hmm. so the story of prohibition goes way back not as far as mesopotamia <laughs> but back all right before I start, because I can see Deb wants to know, the oldest <laughs> evidence of beer comes from, you know, you guessed I it. I knew that! Yes, yeah. Mesopotamia. Yeah. That is because a 6,000-year-old Sumerian tablet, you know, cuneiform, yeah. that was found, described people consuming a drink from a commercial, from a communal bowl through yeah. reed straws. Like oh, a scorpion nice. bowl at the Chinese restaurant. Did you ever have those? No. Oh, my God. <laughs> you, you would order this big drink? And it would come yeah. in a bowl. I, yeah. If you're American, you know it. Or at least my... And they put it in the middle of the table and they give everybody a straw and everybody just drinks from it. It's kind of disgusting now that I think about it. Yeah. I'm just thinking but, like the backwash. And again, you know, this when might you're be 18, rampant. When yeah. you're 18 oh, and the drinking age is 21 and they serve you a scorpion bowl, you don't care about backwash. Of course not. <laughs> and again, you know, this might be all the rage in Canada, but I just don't know. Uh, so that's don't- true. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, this was like 70s, 80s. I don't know if they even do that anymore, okay. at least in my. But anyway, so it was not truly, a, but it was beer. Um, so they also found a 3,900-year-old Sumerian poem honoring Ninkasi, the patron goddess of brewing, and it described what is known as the oldest surviving beer recipe made from barley. Mm-hmm. So back to Prohibition. <laughs> Thank you, because you know that I would have just been unsatisfied i needed you to settle down get out of mesopotamia yes come on over to the states for a little Uh, okay (laughs) cross the borders so the idea of prohibition goes back to the end of the american revolution when there was an emphasis on good citizenship in their new land Mm -hmm. and this was the beginning of what was known as the temperance movement in fact in 1773 john wesley do you remember him i do not yes you do he was the founder of methodism we talked about him. Oh, the Wesleyan Church or something like that. Sure. Something. The Wesleyan I think I said, Church. I think I said the exact same thing in the other episode. We have no further information on that. <laughs> no, so we talked about him somewhere. Anyway, when yeah. I read it, I remembered his name and he 
founded Methodism. Mm -hmm. So he preached that drinking alcohol was sinful. Mm. Um, now, bump, 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 we're going to jump ahead to 1820s and 30s. Mm -hmm. uh, that's when things kind of get going. That's when the second great awakening occurred. Mm. Yeah, I can see you look like I had a clue either that there was a second great awakening. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> a, know there was a first awakening. When the hell was the first? Yeah. And B, what the hell is the second? Right? I think I think I slept through the awakening. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, listen up. The first group um, from 1730 to 1770 was a period of history when spirituality and religious devotion was revived. Mm -hmm. That was the first great awakening. But okay. we care about the second great awakening that swept okay. the nation, or at least through the Protestant community. Mm -hmm. And this was from 1795 to 1835. And what a revival it was. Like this is like, when like an ABBA revival? No, it more like well, I picture, and I don't, I mean, I'm not saying anything bad here. It's how it is, but I picture like a southern Baptist revival. Right. You yeah, know, I where know. with the outside and their um their talking singing and singing and dancing and speaking of the bible yeah exactly yeah yeah, yeah. speaking the word right so it wasn't just protestants it was all kinds of different denominations and mm -hmm. uh but primarily protestants and they'd go from town to town preaching holding big camps and enthusiasts and i'm talking enthusiastic preachings emphasizing mm -hmm. the ability for sinners to find their salvation mm -hmm. you know you get the picture mm -hmm. they also emphasized how important a perfect society would be um, and if one overindulges, well, the ill effects, um, that it will have on you morally, economically, and medically. Mm -hmm. So they really want you just not to drink. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, you go back to the 1800s. We're talking yeah. about late 17s into the 1800s. Yeah. Alcohol wasn't the same as it is now. <laughs> yeah I can't like place myself in that time to know mm -hmm. I just I mean all I know is that you can't just you know what's it called take something away and expect this perfect first person there's no perfect society <laughs> you know I think we all know that and well now just, we do but yeah yeah but you know just it's a little bit naive I think to think that you know, if we take it away, everything will be fixed. Well, but, okay, keep in mind, this is a newer land. They're trying to come up with the perfect land. So it's like yeah. they're starting fresh. Mm -hmm. You know, this isn't 2023. Yeah, this yeah, is, yeah. you know, yeah. shortly after the American Revolution. So they're right. trying to get the society they wanted. Mm -hmm. So now religion may have brought the idea to the table, but there is one group who blame, blamed the demon rum for corrupting American culture. And this, of course, the demon rum led to violence, immorality, and death. And if you guessed women, you are correct. Really? Oh, okay. yes. Actually, yeah, okay. I want to hear where you're going with this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to no alcohol. <laughs> by the way, the temperance movement, by definition, is a social movement promoting moderation or complete abstinence from intoxicating spirits. And they were focusing on the pure alcohol, not so much wine and beer. I totally agree that wine is not alcohol. I can have well, wine. Well, they'll change with... their mind. But God as of the moment, it. temperance okay. was like trying to get rid of spirits. They, but they were also um, advocating for moderation. Yeah. And I'm also totally kidding. I know that they're all <laughs> very addictive. <laughs> and yeah. Um, for moderation. Yeah. Well, that's that's an important sort of clarification because mod moderation is completely different from complete, like, what did you call it? Um, abstinence. Abstinence. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. So participants in this movement typically criticized intoxication or 
Um, or a lot of them would promote teetotalism. <laughs> <laughs> I can't stand it. Every time you say something, it just comes back. <laughs> how did you feel reading that and knowing? Uh, I was like, how am I not going to put this in there? And yeah. then it was in there. <laughs> so they would promote teetotalism, teetotalism which... Um, their leaders, either church or organization, emphasize alcohol's negative effect on one's health, personality, and family lives. Mm-hmm. Now, here's a fun fact. To help paint a picture of the 1820s and 1830s, mm-hmm. the average 15-year-old consumed nearly seven gallons of pure <gasps> alcohol. And I'm not talking like Zima or Bartles and James. I'm talking pure alcohol what? per year. What? Yeah, that's three times more than we do today. So there was a what? real problem back then. That is mind blowing. Yeah. And would a fair assumption be that if the 15 year olds are consuming five right. gallons per year, what are the, it was actually 15 35? and older. Yeah. It's 15 and older. That was the average, the average. Oh, <laughs> I wonder, I would, I need to get my calculator out, but anyway, carry on. And again, of pure alcohol, <gasps> not wine coolers. So at that time, alcohol abuse was rampant and it was wreaking havoc on the lives of many, especially women. Back then Mm -hmm. they had no rights and most depended on a man for sustenance and support. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I don't think anyone can argue the amount of poverty and domestic violence due to alcohol that must have been very extreme back then. For sure. Sorry, just a second. (laughs) She's doing math. You know? I Well, no, I can do five gallons divided by 365 days. Oh, it was seven gallons. It just gets worse and worse. (laughs) But I don't know. Anyway, screw it. But it's a lot. It's a lot. Uh, This also explains why women were so on board with the temperance movement, obviously. Mm -hmm. So since the beginning of all the different chapters of temperance movements, Mm -hmm. um, they've been popping up. And by 1826, the Boston area ministers found the American Temperance Society. Oh, did I say Boston? Yeah. And... (laughs) (laughs) I'm pretty sure Ottawa had it before anybody else had it. But anyway. (laughs) And within 12 years, there were more than 8,000 chapters that had been created with over 1,250,000 members of the American Temperance Society. Mm. And by 1833, actually thousands of similar societies formed all over the country. So there were just different versions. So people were not happy with alcohol. This is not something. Yeah. This is not something the government made up. The government's not even involved in any of this. Actually, this is super fascinating because it's it's so easy to take things out of context. Mm-hmm. Like I just, not that I ever really sat down and thought, you know, what was prohibition about? Um, but, you know, I would be like, oh, what were they thinking? And I think that, you know, what I just said was totally uninformed. Like, you know, you can't just assume, but you take something, you know, out of the equation and everything's going to be all right. But now that you're sort of giving us a description of the context, I can see why there was complete and utter desperation. Right. That's exactly what wow. it was. And like wow. I said, you, you don't hear, I haven't mentioned government at all. And it's yeah. not all churches. Right, like right, right. It, sure, it started that way, but it's not, and there was so much more to it. I, I've been nice and glazing. Oh, yay. I, I like actually thought the temperance movement was going to be like a three-pager and then move yeah. on. And then I yes. realized how important actually the temperance movement to prohibition was. Wow. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, yeah. Carry on. So here's a fun fact. So you think Americans were the only silly ones to think uh, prohibiting all alcohol, huh? Well, they weren't. I don't, I don't know how to answer that. <laughs> we were, well, America was not the only one with an issue. Hmm. Canada's prohibition was from eight, 1918 to 1920. You guys lasted two whole years. <laughs> <laughs> I 
And one of those years was the First World War. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Norway's prohibition was 1919 to 1926, huh. but only on hard liquor. They had beer okay. and wine. Mm-hmm. Uh, Finland's was 1919, but theirs lasted until 1932. And mm. India was from 1948, and it still is in effect today. Really? Which I didn't realize, but I read that India doesn't. I assume it's not. It's reli- but that's religious, right? Like they don't drink. I, all I know is that alcohol is not. And again, I don't want to be uninformed. This is what I think. I, I know that in the Muslim community, in Islam, alcohol is not allowed. Mm-hmm. Um, but India isn't Muslim. Or, you know, there are pockets, I think, of, of Muslim communities, but it's mainly like Hindu and. That is and so Sikh. something that you could look up. That is something I could definitely look up. I got to go. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> but I need to tell you. All right. So even Russia had a prohibition. They had one from 1914 to 1925. Wow. The, the sale of hard liquor was only allowed in restaurants. Uh, Do they then, consider vodka hard liquor? Or yes, is they that did. Like water? It, actually, I think a couple of places I read they said uh, they uh, didn't allow vodka. Right. They right. probably didn't have a lot of other ones. Yeah. So they did this because World War I had just begun and they thought that this would keep them from having to deal with drunken soldiers. Mm. But there was another reason, an underlying reason. See, it's believed that Russia lost many battles to the Japanese during the uh, Russo-Japanese <gasps> War from 1904 to 1905 against mm. the sober Japanese. Mm, that makes so much. It's so incredible. It ne- would never even occur to me Yep. That in war, one side might be more prone to drinking than the other, and that that would play play, play a, a major a, role, a major yeah, like be a factor. Yeah, yeah I've never <laughs> sort of like what's it called? I've never um, you know put into the equation the human factor that they're not just soldiers; they're right. people who are trying to sort Get of through life. survive. It's, God, I am liking this episode. <laughs> I thought you would. Yeah. So when Russia was part of the USSR, you know, when it was all the Soviet Union, yeah. there was actually three more anti-alcohol uh, campaigns. Hmm. Wow. But back so to us. Canada <laughs> did the crappiest. Like we lasted the, there's not a lot to do, Chris. <laughs> Evidently <laughs> in Ottawa. <laughs> but you know what? I feel like Canada's like, you know what? It's so dang cold up here. You need no. something to warm your little heart. Exactly. It's really for the warmth, Chris. Yes. It's not, we don't enjoy drinking. <laughs> it's an evil. To. It's a necessary yeah. evil. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. So like I said, the temperance movement was growing rapidly and not just America, but overseas as well. But I'm not going to get into that because it would really take me forever. Okay. Thank you. Um, but even the Native Americans got in on the act. Hmm. On October 11th, 1833, I'm probably going to say Pico... I think it's Pico, uh, mm-hmm. writer and minister William A. Press established the first formal Native American temperance society among oh. the Mashpee Indians. Wow. Now, for those interested today, you can find the Mashpee Wampanoag tribe in Mashpee, Massachusetts, down on the Cape. Okay. <laughs> Very cool. <laughs> just thought I'd throw that in. Yeah, anything um, to do with Massachusetts. I just, you know, I feel you need to know. We were the yes. first, you know. <laughs> First in everything. Anyway. Wow. <laughs> That's quite a claim, isn't it? Wow. Okay. Today you we said that- laughed, learned, and lied. <laughs> Stretch the truth, darling. Anyway, speaking of Massachusetts. <laughs> in- oh, my God. Oh, my God. Do they know that, does Massachusetts know 
that you are their number one fan. Do you know how I say to you that you are more Canadian now than you ever were? Yeah. Same on the side. Really? Because oh, yeah. you've been researching it? I have so. never been such a Bostonian or Massachusettsian <laughs> yeah. in my life. Oh my God. Can I tell you something that is completely unrelated to what we're talking about almost? Oh, sure. I, you, it's, I'll tell you when you do it, you like put R's where there shouldn't be an R. It's very cool. Well, it could be the weird way that I've been speaking lately because my mouth has been dry for like months, but it's also the Boston accent. I know. It's adorable. I love it. But I just, I get it. Next time you do it, I'm going to say, you did it. So we can see, are you doing it like- Oh, now you made me self-conscious. Good job. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I'm sure to what about my aboot and my- I don't comment on your aboot. You don't. No. Why don't you comment on my aboot? You don't like my aboot? My aboot's not good enough for I you? I don't dislike it. It's just really? you. It's actually, to me, it's not very prominent. Really? Yeah, it doesn't. Maybe because yeah. I just talk to you all the time. I okay. don't notice it. <laughs> exactly. I don't notice it at all. It wasn't until uh, it was brought up in that other episode. I'm like, I yeah. didn't even notice it. Yeah. <laughs> I love your accent. Okay. <laughs> at least it's not a thick Boston accent. Oh, that's not thick? <laughs> not to my knowledge. <laughs> Haven't you ever seen the, like, uh, when... Matt Damon or oh okay. yeah like they put on right. a thick it's yeah um, like there's no act they're terrible <laughs> you are so right and I think was it the new kids on the block new kids on the block mm-hmm. were they from Boston and they had mm-hmm. really strong Bostonian accents okay yeah because yeah. they were actually from Boston Boston really? proper really yeah okay. enjoy listening to podcasts and ever wonder can I make a podcast but it seems so complicated and good audio production can take time. What if there was a way to create an amazing podcast easily? Well, now there is. Introducing Podcasting Made Easy from Podtastic Audio. My production team will handle your entire audio production, allowing you to be the star of your show. This is Podcasting Made Easy. How easy? Well, so easy, you don't even have to press record. Now that's easy. Your listeners are waiting. Let's deliver. Sign up for a free strategy call today at podtasticaudio.com slash easy. So anyway, so speaking of Massachusetts, in 1838, um, a temperance law was passed uh, in Massachusetts known as the 15-gallon law. Oh, 15 gallons a day. Max, people, max. <laughs> Kinda. Yeah. The idea was to prevent distilled spirits like rum or vodka in retail establishments. Okay. So whoever bought alcohol, they needed to buy 15 gallons at a time. Oh, no, I, so get I guess that. That's yeah, they didn't smart. want people buying one gallon at a time or one, you know, Dream one glass. Right. Yeah. Well, they could buy one glass in the. Well, no, they couldn't actually. No, you had to. I'm, yeah, no, that I'm not makes really sure. Sense that makes sense. Okay, so they had to buy 15 gallons at a time, or for those listening overseas, it's 56.8 liters, overseas <laughs> including Canada. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you were a doctor or a pharmacist, you know, for medicinal reasons, you could buy less at a time. So 15 gallons was expensive, so they figured most people couldn't buy it. But don't yeah. you worry, they found <laughs> ways around it. <laughs> Phew! I was getting nervous. Yep. It, little things like a friend would collect enough money, you know, everybody pitch in oh. and they buy the 15 gallons and then divvy it up. <laughs> um, or the sneaky sellers, they would have a barrel and they'd fill it with 16 gallons 
Yeah. And the guy would buy the barrel, go out, he'd take out his gallon, and then return the 15. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> he'd sell that- back the 15. 15- I know. <laughs> I don't know. I guess. Okay. All I know is that people are most creative when they're trying to like screw around with the law, <laughs> right? Exactly. It's like when there's a virus mm-hmm. and you start like applying antibiotics and then the virus gets stronger right. than the antibiotic. But it's like, exactly <laughs> like that. Okay. You know, a law comes in. Well, we can outsmart that law. Oh, right, yeah. We're gonna- <laughs> but amazingly, the most common way to beat the system mm-hmm. was with a striped pig. <laughs> Obviously. I mean, really. So Did they you say would. Striped yep. pig. They would paint a stripe. On a common pig. Then they would charge a fee to see said pig. So somebody would come in, they'd look at the pee, and then you were treated to a free rum. Therefore, no rum was sold. And Massachusetts couldn't take it any any longer, and this law only lasted two years. (laughs) I am so confused. I'm sorry. I have a pig. What am I? Am I just a normal (laughs) layperson? Well, it's it's the 1800s. People own animals no but i mean i'm not uh, an alcohol seller or anything like that right I'm, I'm well a person with a pig. i don't know okay it, you could have been you could have been a bar owner who happens to have a pig okay. who says come on it but they don't sell i, I don't really know how yeah. that worked 100 percent. but the law was so had yeah. so many holes in it yeah that they yeah, could get yeah. away. well i didn't sell any rum i just gave him some for free yeah i didn't buy a gallon i bought 15 gallons you know, yeah, the 15 gallons I got, the pig I didn't get, but A for effort, because that's yes. creative. But that was the most common one. God. People would pay, <laughs> and then they oh. get a glass of rum. <laughs> oh, my God. And we're so, out here shilling a podcast. We I know. We just be painting our pigs. <laughs> <laughs> we might want to try that next week. Yeah. <laughs> so, like I said, that law only lasted two years, because okay. enough was enough. So... Also during the 1830s, teetotalism was born, as I said, and this was actually a stricter form of temperance. This mm-hmm. meant absolutely no alcohol at all, mm-hmm. including beer and wine. Like I said, remember, um, I told you it was temperance was everything but beer and wine. Right. Okay. Um, so teetotalism, all alcohol forbid. In fact, they were told to only drink pure water. And these people were known as the pure water army. You're joking me. <laughs> no. Don't you want a t-shirt? Oh, I want a drink. <laughs> <laughs> Have some water. The name teetotaler, I was really confused. Um, it's T-E-E, not T-E-A. Mm-hmm. Um, what it means, well, I guess in England, there were those that took a written pledge to abstain from all alcohol, and they would have like a capital T next to the name. Similar if you would put R for Republican, D for Democrat. So I guess T for oh, teetotaler. Like, sorry, this was like on a political level? Yeah, you had well, to, of course. It was part of your identity, let's yeah, say? Yeah, it's part of, exactly. It was God. part of your identity. You know, from That's Massachusetts, crazy. teetotaler. Wow. Yeah, they, I know. <laughs> I didn't really get get it and, yeah. and, you know, that rabbit hole. But oh, evidently, yeah, yeah. that's kind of where this came from. It came from England. God. Um, so I love this next sentence I read. So I'm just going to repeat it really for no yeah. reason. <laughs> teetotaler is a uh, reduplicative form of total. In the 19th century, people said teetotally as a way of emphasizing totally. What I just really the like hell? the word redu- reduplicative. <laughs> reduplicative. 
reduplicative. I Do assume it means like it, emphasizing. Um, we, like it's like doing the duplicate again. Right. So that's like time. You're re reannouncing re what it is like. Um, yeah. Totally. Yeah. But you're like, uh, I need to write that down. <laughs> okay. Wait. Striped pig <laughs> and reduplicative. Reduplicative. Yes, I still sound out my words. <laughs> Museum. Yeah, I still count with my fingers too, but that's a whole other episode. Okay, yeah. It was nice just sentence. like, you know, it was, I know, I just love the words, so I went with it. Didn't wow. really need to be in there. Anyway, now where was I? By 1840, now the consumption of alcohol has gone from seven gallons a year consumption down to three. But like legitimately, like, is it really or like, do you know what I mean? Like, um, yes, because there's so many people getting on board with, okay, the temperance movement, mostly women, but men also. So in this knowledge of it now, yeah, like, I people just mean addressing like, the situation. So, okay, you're out there drinking and everything. Maybe you're going to keep in the back of your mind kind of thing. I mean, it's still a lot. Yeah, I was going to say, like, maybe they were still drinking seven gallons a year, but the four were, like, hidden. But that's not the case. Like, it had really genuinely dropped. Right, they feel it had really... And I said three. I really think it was five, but I said three. We'll find out later. <laughs> well, it's still a big drop. <laughs> it was a big drop. There was yeah. a pronounced difference. Mm -hmm. um, so it's doing something. Oh, yeah. Um, in 1840, this group of guys, six of them from Baltimore, Maryland, all alcoholics... Mm -hmm. um, formed what it was known as the Washington Movement. It was named after the president, not the area. I was going to say, we're, they're from Maryland? <laughs> yeah. They really like George. So this actually turned out to be one of the earliest precursors to Alcoholics Anonymous. <gasps> wow. Yep. This temperance movement taught sobriety, a.k.a. teetotalism. Is this not coming full circle? <laughs> <laughs> Who knew when we were texting back and forth? Why were we even talking about teetotaling, teetotalism? I really don't remember now. I really don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> Why were we being so reduplicative? Oh my God. <laughs> I don't know if we use that right, but I just love the word. <laughs> okay. So by 1842, they claimed that, um, you know, the Washington movement claimed that they had 600,000 members who took the pledge. And oddly enough, yet by 1843, it had all basically disappeared. So oh, it sounded like a bunch my. of lying alcoholics, I guess. Stop <laughs> it. Or they gave up one or the other, but oh, well, they tried. Know, a for effort. Relapse. Okay. In all, whatever, seriousness, relapse is part of the recovery process. Right. They probably didn't know that yet. There you go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So also in 1840, when Massachusetts uh, repealed its 15-gallon law, remember that? Yes. It did leave it open for each town deciding if they wanted to keep okay. um, the law. Right. Um, and by 1845, 100 towns in Massachusetts kept the law or they were completely dry. And wow, I can attest mm -hmm. to towns hanging on to it because where I grew up, mm -hmm. it was a dry town. You literally could drive one mile in any direction and get alcohol, but you could not get it in my town. <laughs> really? <laughs> really? Wait a second. When you were growing up? Mm hmm yeah, we're, we're in a dry town. Really? That, <laughs> yeah. no, I'm genuinely like fascinated by mm -hmm. that. Um, in my house, you just you could either go to the kitchen, you could go to the basement. Well, you can there do it. Alcohol you, everywhere. I can go buy. I can go to the store one town over and buy it and bring it home. I know. You just but, couldn't go to a restaurant and buy alcohol. Really? Yeah. In the seventies, eighties. Yeah. 
I, I, I'm not mistaken. I haven't checked in a long time because yeah, I yeah. haven't lived in that town in a while. I think they've changed it so restaurants, you can bring your own booze, but I don't think you can buy alcohol still. I am blown away. I didn't know that there were still dry yep. cities or dry states. Are there dry? Sorry, this is, I don't want to take you off topic, but is there like a, a whole entire dry state in the States right now? I don't think so. No, I don't believe so now. No, no. Wow. I mean, don't quote me, but I'm going to fairly, I'm going to guess yeah. fairly. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. No, no, no. No, I, like I said, Massachusetts town by town. So. In wow. 1845, there were 100 towns that were That's either doing the 15-gallon or were completely dry. Wow. Hmm. Staggering, reduplicative, <laughs> teetotalingly <laughs> fucking A. Crazy, <laughs> huh? <laughs> I am blowing her mind away oh, in you. this early afternoon. Yeah, that's better than having a drink. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to sit down with a drink later and think about this. I am. (laughs) So also in 1845, Maine passed statewide prohibition, and soon other states followed with what were called Maine laws. And in 1850, we were down to two gallons per year, you know, per person. Really? And by 1855, 13 out of the 40 states, because we weren't up to 50 yet, Mm -hmm. had prohibition laws. So there were 13 dry states at that point. Wow. So I don't know if you noticed, Mm -hmm. people seem to want this law that's coming up. That's what's like blowing my mind. I know, because then they fight against it. (laughs) People are just never freaking happy. Grass is always greener. (laughs) No, it's so, so true. Wow. Okay. Okay. Can I just say something, but I don't expect an answer. I'm thinking- I know. <laughs> Good. <laughs> like, I, it's really impressive that it went from seven, whatever, gallons to five or three and then to two. I just would be so interested to know what the actual, like, societal um, outcome was. Like, were people, were families happier? Were women happier? Were people more productive at work? Were, uh, was there less crime? Were the jails less full? It would be so interesting to know what impact what real impact it mm-hmm. had on the day-to-day lives of people i would think that it would have had to improve in a lot of places it would have you know to have. yeah i mean not so- you're not going to have everybody who drank only two gallons it was just the you know supposed average yeah 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 you know so you're gonna have areas where you know but plus women were gaining power these women were yeah. getting involved in these social mm-hmm. um organizations Movements, so they yeah. were gaining some power and seeing the evils of the drink or whatever and yeah, I guess you can't like up. look at it in a vacuum because there were a whole bunch of things going on. It right. was a really like sort of active mm-hmm. period. Right. This is super interesting, Chris. Thank you. You're welcome. Oh my god. <laughs> okay, so sadly, then came the Civil War, the war between Uh-oh. the states, North versus South, Gray versus Red. You know the picture. Now, this is what I'm thinking. Maybe the Civil War wouldn't have happened if people were allowed to be drunk and happy. Well, Maybe. people were drunk and happy, and <laughs> however, the war between the states was over slavery, not over drinks. Okay. <laughs> and um, I don't yeah. know if I mentioned this in here, but I do know, I th- after the Civil War, something thinks I didn't write it down, but if I could repeat myself, um, a lot of the abolitionists, the ones mm-hmm. against slavery, were uh, against alcohol, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, okay. So anyway, the Civil War. Yeah. Uh, new set of dates for you, Deb, because I don't think we've covered Civil War at all. 1861 to 1865. Okay. Okay. I hope I remember that. Yes. You won't. Well, the Civil War put an end to all the early temperance. Everything came to an end. Okay. After all, the states needed tax revenue from the alcohol sales and, Mm. you know, war. That's it. Yeah. 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 
So not much happens during the war, except for the war. But when it ends, <laughs> alcohol <laughs> consumption is on the rise again. Oh. And the temperance groups start to rebuild. And in 1869, we have a new political party, the National Prohibition Party. Okay. And in their first election, they re- received about uh, 2,100 votes. In 1873, a new league was formed, the Women's Christian Temperance Union, WCTU. And this became the largest women's religious organization of the 19th century. It not only focused on temperance, but also women's rights, uh, suffrage, and international social justice. They considered alcoholics as mentally weak and unstable and believed temperance would improve the life of the alcoholic along with its family life. Mm-hmm. And in 1881, the WCTU lobbied to have temperance taught in the schools. Mm. You know, kind of like the Say No to Drugs campaign. Yeah. I yeah, know you yeah. didn't have it, but it was big here. No, we did. You had Say No to Drugs? Well, because that was a Nancy Reagan thing. I mean, I don't think they promoted uh, you doing <clears throat> drugs. <laughs> I'm just... <laughs> Say yes to drugs in Canada. <laughs> Screw our neighbors to the south. Uh, <laughs> well, no, just when you said that, I'm thinking like, I definitely remember say no to drugs. I don't know if I was just watching American channels, Probably. but there was definitely, um, no, no, no. There was a huge say no to drugs. Yeah, uh, I, I think it was an answer. It, it, and quite honestly, that was an utter failure as well. <laughs> that would be fun to look into too. I should do that. Uh, so anyway, so. They wanted temperance taught in schools. And in 1901, it became law to teach it. Hmm. Okay. To teach the kids the evils of alcohol. So mm-hmm. by this time, the WCTU had 158,000 members and decided to take the stance on prohibiting the playing of golf on Sundays. What? <laughs> That's I'm sorry. Right. Are we on the same episode? Did we just log out and log into a new episode? What? The, what? Can I just you, thought it was so what? funny. They're, well, they're, yeah. What's, is there a relationship between the two? Well, it, it takes the men out of the home on Sunday, the Sabbath. Huh. Yeah. Now yeah, people yeah. like go play golf. But back then, you know, the men worked six days a week and probably the, I found it yeah. odd that they went and played golf myself. No. It's ni- anything uh, to get out of the house. No, I'm kidding. Well, it's um, 1901. And yes, they're yeah. against alcohol and against golf on Sundays. <laughs> I mean... You say what you want about alcohol, but really the evils of golf are universally known. <laughs> that, you know, that's a, such a big topic to cover. Um, it really, it's not no, really no. for us. No, 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 no. <laughs> oh my God. Unbelievable. All right. From 1891, no, 93 to, actually there's no exact date, 93 or 1895, there was a new league found, that cropped up. It was called the Anti-Saloon League. Okay. And it was formed by Wayne Wheeler. And it involved mostly men. Mm-hmm. And soon this was the dominating temperance league over overshadowing the WCTU and the Prohibition Party. Okay. These guys held, held rallies. They created amazing propaganda posters and lobbied at every level of gar- government to prohibit the making and selling of alcohol. Wow. Yeah. This league also gave rise to the evangelical Protestantism. I can't say it. You know, the Protestants and then evangelical. So, and its view of saloon culture as corrupt and ungodly. Oh my God. So what I found kind of shocking is that the league is still around, was still around after prohibition ended. In fact, in 1950, the Mm -hmm. anti-saloon league merged with a bunch of other groups to form the national temperance league in 1950. Yeah. (laughs) Not 18, Uh, 1950. 
I guess they had changed their focus, you know? No, they probably then. still were. Wow. They just probably were not as... Mm. I don't think they were nearly as vocal as they were before Prohibition. Yeah. So out of curiosity, I could not find any temperance unions around today. I Mm -hmm. I searched, nothing came up. But Mm -hmm. to be honest, Google's not my friend lately, so. (laughs) Um, Now, time for a couple of fun facts. I can't believe how fast we're going through this. Hey, that's good. (laughs) In Massachusetts in 1908, 249 towns and 18 cities had banned alcohol. Mm. 1908. In 1909, in the United States, there were more saloons than there were schools, churches, or libraries. In fact, there was one saloon for every 300 citizens. Wow. <laughs> I wonder what the equivalent would be today. I, yeah. I, yeah, that would be interesting. Drop in the bucket, probably. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. Also, another big supporter were factory owners. Who were heavy, most of them were heavy drinkers themselves. Yeah. But they wanted to prevent accidents and increase efficiency among the workers. (laughs) That that makes sense. Yep. Right? Right. Well, because they're coming out of the Industrial Revolution, so there's a lot of big machinery and stuff like that. Not good to have some drunks around it. Yes, and definitely not good to be sued because I assume that, you know, the the employer would have a problem if uh, an employee was hurt on the job. How much of that was happening in 1900? I don't know. I don't know. It could have been a lot, but it just doesn't seem yeah. as like today. Yeah. You know, they sneezed at work. They threw out their back. Sue them. <laughs> <laughs> so back to my fun timeline. By 1911, the WCTU had over 245,000 members. And in 1914, the Anti-Saloon League proposed a constitutional amendment to prohibit the sale of alcohol nationwide. And that was in 1914. Hmm. And by but then this, the war broke out. Right. And by Sorry. this yeah, yeah. time, many citizens were sick and tired of the amount of saloons in their town uh, that enticed the hardworking men to squander away their hard-earned money on booze. But the best thing that ever happened to the temperance movement was when America entered World War II in April of 1917. World War one. one. I didn't yeah. mean to. I was testing Deb to see yeah. if you heard <laughs> <Yeah>. correctly. <laughs> If it was if it wasn't one o'clock in the afternoon, I don't know if I would have picked up on that. <laughs> I <Wow>. meant one. <laughs> um, yeah, they the anti saloon league managed to convince Congress to enact a wartime prohibition, oh, stating I've heard that, of that yeah 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 stating that the grain w- used in alcohol was needed to be used in the production of food for the soldiers. Wow. So prohibition is used this time. Um, to start flaunting the anti-German sentiment to rally against alcohol sales, you know, since many brewers were of German-American descent. Really? Well, they're they're telling everybody, oh, yeah. you don't want to drink the beer? It's German. Don't oh, do that. God. Oh, well, God. it was working. Yeah, they'll do anything, I guess. Yeah. So, and while Americans were still dying on the battlefields, in August of 1917, the U.S. Senate voted in favor of the proposed 18th Amendment. Mm-hmm. So they proposed the idea of you know during the um the wartime prohibition they proposed that they just continue yeah so the war ended in november of 1918 and on january um 16th 1919 the 18th amendment became law and it would go into effect exactly one year later Hmm. they have to give it time yeah um but 
in that time, Congress would need to come up with how they were going to implement a legal mm. process of banning the sales, distribution, and transportation of alcohol and how to enforce it. Wow. Do you remember that guy, Wayne Wheeler? Yes. Now I do. He, <laughs> he actually has a very big story. He's just barely mentioned here, but he was really mm. big in uh, getting mm -hmm. all this done. Um, he actually drafted the entire law um, really? for Congress, the National Prohibition Act, and it withstood President Wilson's opposition in October. And the new law went into effect on January 17th, 1920, with fines of up to $1,000 and many months behind bars if you were caught with alcohol. Uh, the 13-year prohibition era had begun. So I thought this was the end of part one, but it's not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. I had to come up with some fun claims during the movement and yeah. things like that. Yeah. So. Hello, Spooklings. I'm Jason. And I'm Kathy. And we're the hosts of the weekly podcast, All Hallows Eve Podcast. We are a husband and wife duo with a passion for anything spooky, macabre, and true crime, sprinkled with our own twist of comedy. We explore topics such as the history of Halloween, the butcher of Plainfield, Hocus Pocus 2, urban legends, superstitions, and more. So come join us as we go down the rabbit hole that is All Hallows Eve Podcast. Listen and follow us at allhallowsevepodcast.com or your favorite podcast provider. Stay spooky, my friends. Hey, are you looking for a new podcast? Because I've got one for you. My name's Dan, and with my co-host, Jamie, we do Two Men No Hope. Two Men No Hope is a podcast from the UK. We help out people with their problems, people with their issues, doing everything we can for the listener. We're also a comedy podcast that we keep it light to. We also do extra content about conspiracy theories and... Um, storytelling and you can catch us on Monday, Wednesday and our main show on a Friday if you want to keep up to date with us you can find our socials on Twitter Instagram and Facebook if you just google Two Men No Hope uh, look forward to giving you a helping hand there were some fun claims that were made during the movement oh boy Books, pamphlets, and posters were basically the internet of the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you had to decide what was truly fact and what might be propaganda. Mm -hmm. So, one thing that they said, doctors back then liked to claim that alcohol had was made with very dangerous ingredients, such as hemlock, tobacco, opium, and nux vomica. Didn't look it up, but, you know. <laughs> Sounds like vomit. I know. That's exactly yeah. what I thought, too. Like, it's probably snake vomit. I, I like um, how that's the only thing that bothered us, the vomit. Like, the heroin <laughs> didn't bother us. <laughs> yeah. God. Um, and Madeira wine was a great example. It had a nutty flavor to it, and it's said that it came from a bag of cockroaches dissolved in every batch. <gasps> oh, my God. They don't God. know if it's, you know, truth or propaganda. Nobody knows. Oh, my God. They've also claimed that alcoholics, alcoholics can spontaneously combust. Oh, my God. <laughs> How? How? Well, the body ends up swimming in alcohol, and it leaches out of the skin. And anybody that gets near a heat source, well, it would cause their blood to burn, and they would blow up. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, God. I, I have no comment on that. Like, I can't think of anything. <laughs> outrageous. They would also claim all alcohol was created by using excrement or poop during fermentation. <laughs> Now, mind you, they weren't wrong, technically, 
but is quite a stretch. They are describing um, the process that when the sugar is consumed by the yeast, Mm -hmm. the product that is left behind or excreted is alcohol. (laughs) So you're having yeast Yeah. (laughs) Excrement. But, you know, think about the time period. People didn't have the knowledge that they have today. And exactly. you know, if it's like us, we oh. read a headline, we're like, it's, we know what it is. It's fact. Yeah. I think there's yeah, it's fact. more go- propaganda going on now than there oh, was God, then yeah. probably, but yeah. Anyway, that's a whole other story. Yeah. And then there's this cute story involving our 19th president, Rutherford B. Hayes, or more specifically his wife, Lucy. Hmm. See, President Hayes reigned from 1877 to 1881, post-Civil War. Anyway, Lucy was very much against alcohol. And everybody knew it. And she was raised in a household uh, that was very much supported temperance. Mm. So after the first White House party uh, dinner party, she felt very uncomfortable with the whole thing. Uh, Mm. There was wine flowing through the whole Mm. event. And that is when she proclaimed the White House would be alcohol free zone from that point on. Wow. Well, not everybody kind of agreed with her. (laughs) See, it seems (laughs) it is said that the White House steward concocted something called roman punch which was i this sounds absolutely rancid egg whites sugar lemon juice and rum which he would slip to guests behind the first lady's back or he he would um freeze the concoction and hide the cubes into the oranges that would be provided for dessert so the ice cube would melt and the alcohol would go into the oranges people were desperate deb Oh, you know, believe me, I get it. But why egg whites? Wait a second. What was the concoction again? The the, the Russian. Well, oh, Russian. you want to write it down. Okay. It's the Roman egg punch. whites. <laughs> yeah. Egg whites. Everybody. Roman punch is egg whites, sugar, <laughs> lemon juice, and rum. Now, it doesn't give specific, you know, is it four egg whites? Is it two? Is it one? Yeah. How much oh, We're going to have to play around with it until it sticks. Literally. I know. <laughs> but I don't get what the egg whites have to do with it, but everything else... <laughs> It's the 1800s, so food was yeah. prepared differently then. Drinks were true. prepared differently then. And I'm thinking that the idea was to really hide the... Yeah. Because rum can be dark. Isn't rum darker? I think there are very... I don't know anything about... I only drink wine. Like, I do not drink anything else. I don't know anything about rum. But I think there are dark rums and, and lighter rums. Yeah. So I'm thinking think. something like that. Or he could call it... With the egg white, the sugar, the lemon, maybe it was enough to hide... Mask the taste. So Yeah. Yeah, who knows? Um, oh, and I did read that somebody once sent the White House a, a rum cake. Oh. And she didn't realize it was rum and served it to her guests. And everyone was quite pleased with it. Yeah. She was not. They are probably <laughs> licking their plates, like sucking the life out of the, and, of the cake. Think, but, I mean, in the White House in 1877 or whatever it was, their dessert was an orange. <laughs> That's the most upsetting thing about this entire episode, I think. How mad would you be if you got an orange for dessert? But think how... I guess that would be considered elegant. Like you got fruit. Oh, yeah. Oh, Me, who knows because what the times were like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If it's Washington, D.C., probably getting hands on citrus. Yeah. And you yeah. want to, oh, maybe so they were delicacy. keeping. Yeah. Maybe you're yeah. keeping your guests from getting scurvy. <laughs> <laughs> no. Actually, anything is possible at this point. After everything <laughs> you've told me today. <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, okay, I didn't know where to put this, so I'm just going to say it. Um, I think it's fun to note that the Church for Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and Seventh-day Adventists mm-hmm. came out of the temperance movement. Oh, that is... Well, you know, I'm fascinated in anything to do with... 
all that stuff. Oh, wow. That's very interesting. Okay. Now, before I wrap this up, I have Mm. one more story to tell you because I couldn't, I realized this had to be put in with the temperance movement, not with prohibition. So let me Mm -hmm. introduce you to a sweet little lady (laughs) and a force of the women's Christian temperance movement. Her name Mm. was Carrie Nation. Mm. And when she joined, now this story is very short compared to hers. It's fascinating. Anybody go read about her. She really, yeah. Carrie, K-E-R-R-Y, C-A-R-R. (laughs) C-A-R-R-Y. I think it's actually short for Catherine. Um, Catherine. Yeah, I think that's what I read, but she's known as Carrie Nation. Carrie Nation. Um, And when she joined the movement, she was living in Kansas and she joined for two reasons. The first being that her first husband, who she didn't really like anyway, died from the effects of alcoholism. Mm -hmm. And the second being is that um, although Kansas was a dry state, she was really pissed because there was a shit ton of illegal saloons that the Mm -hmm. law just ignored. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So she went about campaigning for law enforcement and then she amped it up a little by uh, serenading saloon patrons. You know, she'd go into the saloons and sing songs of protest while playing a hand organ. I don't know what a hand organ is. (laughs) Sounds phallic to me, but... (laughs) <laughs> was it i'm a, sure it's not <laughs> was it a hand playing with an organ was the again the organ <laughs> i need specifics okay We're very, yes painting an ugly picture yeah <laughs> or at least personal right very yeah. personal yeah um sometimes this sweet little thing would get a little feisty and she'd greet bartenders with good morning destroyer of men's souls <laughs> Isn't that great? He's probably just like, play your organ, woman. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, my God. I like that. That I wanted a T-shirt. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Good morning, destroyer of men's souls. I am the destroyer of men's souls. <laughs> I am Spartacus. Okay. <laughs> different episode. So poor Carrie would get on her knees at night and pray to God for direction and her quest to save humanity from the devil's drink. Then on June 5th, 1900, Carrie Nation was awakened by a voice, a voice telling her, go to Kiowa, Kansas. I'll stand by you. Oh. So on June 7th, she did just that. This sweet woman who dressed in all black, you know, like the widow kind of Mm -hmm. thing. And she stood at a mere six feet tall. Oh my God. She went there with her pocket full of rocks. And <laughs> sorry, is that an expression or no? No rocks. So she had a pocket full of rocks. Mm-hmm. She had, or she would call them strikers. Strikers, and in their other hand, she had her organ. That's not <laughs> no, a no, pretty picture. No, we're <laughs> to the point now. The organ has been put aside. Okay. So she walked through the doors of Dobson Saloon in Kiowa and declared, "Men, I have come to save you from a drunkard's fate," and proceeded to destroy the saloon. She smashed all the bottles uh, behind the bar, broke the big mirror, threw down the cash register slot machine. She even broke the faucets, slashed the tubes that poured the beer, broke open the kegs, and what was left of, mind you, illegal saloon, was drenched in beer. Okay, see, I think that makes her much rowdier than any drunk person. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, who's the enemy, actually? She is so tired of playing that hand organ. (laughs) (laughs) yeah i yeah so she was arrested (laughs) but that didn't stop her oh my god when she got out it said she went um she went on to break up another six saloons in kiowa that month soon she gained supporters and fame 
In February of 1901, she destroyed a bar in Kansas. When she burst in the door, the bartender came at her, but instead of rocks, she pulled out a hatchet and went about her work. And uh, a hatchet is uh, her choice of, was her choice from that point on. No more rocks, wow. just a hatchet. Hey, I mean, really, when you get down to it. And this was what she was work. best known for was the hatchet work. Oh, so. my God. She, in fact, labeled her attacks um, hatchet, hatchetations. <laughs> and she justified her actions as, I am a bulldog running along the, uh, running along the feet of Jesus, barking at what he doesn't like. Mm-hmm. By the way, it wasn't just illegal saloons she was visiting, but also pharmacies. She felt alcohol was alcohol and it was all evil even if it was prescribed as a medicine. I'm sorry, but wasn't it Jesus who turned water into wine? Did he drink it? Probably. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, yeah, but Jesus didn't act the way these people were acting, and he wasn't in an illegal saloon. Okay. I'm just saying. I don't know. You know. He was a moderate. <laughs> so the world knew about Carrie Nation now. Uh, she and her followers went um, on all these raids for over ten for about ten years. Oh my lord! That's in incredible. all the time she was arrested thirty times, which seems low to me. Uh, yeah. And I, she was able to pay for all her travels, all her court fees, you know, get out of jails mm-hmm. and all that by going on speaking tours from San Francisco to New York, doing lectures. She sold these small axes that had <laughs> Carrie Nation Joint Smasher printed on them. Oh. Sometimes that that would bring her in like three hundred dollars a month. Oh, I huge money back then. I mean, I'm not saying I agree with what she did, but as like a marketer, as like an entrepreneur, <laughs> she's pretty inspiring. Um, actually, if you read the whole story, it's incredible what she did. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so she also sold some short-lived newsletters, and she has an autobiography she wrote. It's called "The Use and Need of the Life of Carrie A. Nation." Didn't love the title, but no, who am I? So along with her work for temperance movement, she also rallied against fraternal orders, the poor Freemasons, uh, tobacco, foreign foods. Oh, I know. Foreign (gasps) foods. Corsets. She herself refused to wear one, by the way. Okay. That I can get on board with probably. Uh, She also rallied against skirts of improper length. Oh God. And the mild pornography that she would find in some of the bar rooms. Um, later, <laughs> later, she was an advocate of women's suffrage. Sadly, Nation died in 1911. That means that she didn't live to see the nationwide prohibition amendment that went into effect in 1920. I feel like she's still with us. I don't think, I don't even think she would let herself die. She was such a badass. <laughs> she really was a badass. And she stood wow. like six feet tall. Yeah. You know, there wow. were some people claiming she was half man, half woman. Yeah. She was oh, just a, she God. was a presence. She was a presence. Wow. Apparently. Especially with the hatchet. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Actually, yeah, I thought I found the handful of rocks pretty daunting myself. Uh, well, you, you just know, never know where they're going to go. No. And if she broke her hatchet, she just got a new one. Yeah. So that's it for part one. The temperance movement was way longer and way more interesting than I thought. Um, yeah. I haven't written part two yet, but like I said, something tells me there might be a part three, oh, um, but there won't be a timeline. It's just going to be lots of fun after this. So that's it. Okay. <laughs> now you're going to be like, you understood nothing. So this was just about the temperance movement. Like you haven't, you've barely touched on. This is leading up to prohibition. We that's right. Okay. Thank you. I was afraid to say, cause I was afraid I totally misunderstood, but yeah, we haven't even really touched prohibition. Nope. The last thing that I said was. 
the yeah. law was enacted. So now we're going to pick up from there. Oh my God, this is insane. And it's funny, <laughs> believe it or not, I do have a couple of episodes in mind and this is slightly tying in. So that's really good. See? In other words, I'm stealing some of the ideas. Well, you're going to let me finish first because I yeah. am like, um, I had gone down to the Prohibition Museum in Savannah, Georgia. Oh, that's how this whole thing started. You were talking about a museum and I ne- we yep. never circled back. Yeah. <laughs> I had gone down to that and it was really a great, interesting museum. It was yeah. fascinating. And yeah. And I had seen signs for the temperance movement and stuff like that, but it almost was like, eh, let's just learn about prohibition. Yeah, but then exactly. I realized how important, now I realize how important yeah. those early rooms were. Yes. <laughs> and what yeah. led up to the, fun, you know, I call uh. it fun stuff because it's history. It's, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, it is a fabulous museum. I mean, I hate the price, how expensive some museums have gotten, but this one mm. is so neat. This is really a really good name. They have a whole room dedicated to Carrie Nation. And her story and everything else. Oh, it's a fabulous museum. So if anybody is traveling to Savannah, Georgia, go there. It's worth, I know it's probably, if you're traveling with your family, it's a little pricey, but it is really a good, very interesting museum. Wow. This is exactly what we're talking about. Like I would have had zero interest in seeing a museum like that, excuse me, but now I'm like, how fast can I get there, you know? Oh yeah. And you, it would take you time to go through there because everything, the way they have them set up now, you really, and I've said this before, they make it, you know. They make it easy for you to want to read the uh, yeah, yeah, so they yeah. don't make it real complicated. They do an easy yeah. story. But Thank now God. you would understand a lot more. But yeah, so. Wow. Yeah. I love that. I totally love that. And to be honest, I don't even know. I'm not sure. This might have been the first time I actually heard the term temperance movement. I'm not, because prohibition, absolutely, and moonshine I, and all that I've stuff. I've heard of it, like I said, from the museum. But even before that, like a glimpse of it, nothing. I yeah. paid no mind to it. Exactly. And it and was I, huge, by the way. <laughs> it was huge. And also something that surprises me is that I had no idea that it was a worldwide phenomenon yeah. to varying degrees. Mm-hmm. That I was totally not. Yeah, expecting. I couldn't even go down that rabbit hole because oh well, we'd no. never get out of it. But yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was, yeah, America wasn't the only one. Everybody was having a problem with this. Wow. That's fascinating. Thank you, Chris. I really appreciate that. Okay, I can't I'm wait for the next part. I've never been thirsty. excited to, I mean, I've been excited, but this one, yeah. I actually cannot wait to get into the stories. Yeah, you yeah, Because yeah. <laughs> there That's is, amazing. I think it's going to be interesting. I hope I can describe them well. <laughs> you can't, no, you totally can. That was fantastic. Yay. Well, I'm super thirsty, so I think that we should uh, wrap this up. I know. Oh my oh. God, we have the whole day ahead of us. I know. It's crazy. Crazy. It's awesome. We can drink all we want. No, I'm totally kidding. I don't want to promote. Anyway. um, Do as you wish. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Be responsible. (laughs) All right. Well, this was fantastic. Thank you so much. Guys, we hope that you you loved this uh, as much as I did. I really, really liked it. So amazing. We want to just reiterate, if you haven't had a chance to check out the episodes that we recorded on the podcasts of Two Men No Hope and uh, go find them wherever you listen to your podcast and have a listen. Listen to them in general, obviously not just our episode. They are absolutely fabulous. They are great friends, we're proud to say, and uh, amazing at what they do. So please check them out. Uh, Please go back and check out the episode that we recorded for our podcast that we released last week um, with All Hallows Eve. It was a ton of fun, a little bit of a departure for, for what we normally do. And again, thanks so much for, you know, uh, supporting us in general. So you can find us, I think you know this by now, on Twitter <laughs> at Today We Laughed, uh, Instagram and Facebook, Today We Laughed and Learned. We would love to, hey, we have not re- received a single email at todaywelaughed at gmail.com. <laughs> Whoever the first person is to write us a, an email, a nice one though, um, they will get a shout out. <laughs> 
a personal shout out. A personal shout out. And speaking of personal shout outs, we want to give a shout out to a woman who seems to be quite a fan of our podcast. And we're super, super happy to hear that. And we really appreciate all the listening she's done. Her name is Renee and she is a friend of Kathy's from All Hallows Eve. Renee, thank you so much. Um, thank you. We really you. appreciate Yeah. Uh, you're listening. And of course, any comments you might have, we would love to hear from you. Um, so yes, somebody for the love of God, send us an email. <laughs> And we will (laughs) shout out to you. Well, Chris, I think that today we can definitely say that we laughed. And we learned all about the temperance movement leading up to Prohibition. We sure did. Bye, everybody. Good night.